Welcome to the National Crawford Roundtable podcast, a view of culture, current events, and politics through a biblical lens, brought to you by Preborn, Saving Babies and Souls, and Alliance Defending Freedom, defending the First Amendment rights of free speech and religious liberty. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on their banners to donate. And now here are your hosts, Neil Boron, Bob Duco, Roger Marsh, and John Rush. Back with another week, another episode of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast with all of the guys, Roger and John, Neil, myself, Bob. Guys, how are you? How was Christmas? How was New Year? How was all that for you? Wonderful. Wonderful. Thanks, man. How are you, Bob? Uh, Doing great, thanks. 2023, a new year. Oh, my goodness. So we've got a lot to talk about today. Uh, There's a couple of different issues that we're going to hit. One of them, of course, is everything that's going on in Congress right now, the House of Representatives, and Kevin McCarthy. And is he going to be the new Speaker of the House? We're recording this on Wednesday morning. So as of right now, folks, what's happened is yesterday there were three different vote attempts, and Kevin McCarthy didn't get the necessary number of 218 votes. And so what is going to happen with this? Who's going to be the speaker? And and are the people that are resisting him right now, are they doing a good thing or a bad thing or whatever? So we're going to explore that all in this podcast a little bit later on. Right now, though, first, we're going to talk about what's happening on happening in the world of sports. For those of you who aren't aware, if you're watching Monday Night Football, you had the Buffalo Bills playing the Cincinnati Bengals. Okay, well, one of the Buffalo Bills players is safety Damar Hamlin, 24 years old. He makes what appears to be a routine tackle. One of the players from the Cincinnati Bengals is running and Hamlin goes to grab him and tackle him and the runner's shoulder pads hits Hamlin in the chest. And what happens is it was a blow to the chest, just the right place, just the right time. But bottom line, it shut down his heart. He sent it sent him into cardiac arrhythmia and cardiac arrest, and so his heart literally stopped beating. Now, sometimes people are confused when they see, uh, they hear that somebody's heart stopped beating because you can see he after he was hit, he completed the tackle, and then after completing the tackle, he stood up, and after standing up, he took a couple of steps backwards, and then he collapsed. What some people may not know is that if your heart stops beating you're actually still conscious for about 10 to 12 seconds. Now, I didn't know this. I I actually learned this when my daughter died because in our conversation, her heart had stopped beating, but neither one of us knew her heart stopped beating. So that's why she was still talking with me. And then her last words were, Dad, I feel dizzy. And then that's when she collapsed. Well, that's what happened in essence with Damar Hamlin. He has no idea as he's completing that tackle, his heart is not beating. And as he's standing up, he has no idea his heart is not beating. And then, of course, he he collapses from lack of oxygen to the brain. And it was a, an incredible scene for, for people to see because now suddenly the ambulance comes out on the field. They're performing CPR on him. They're defibrillating him. The players all surrounded him to kind of block him from view so that you wouldn't have the horrific images of let's face it, his body bouncing off the the ground from the defibrillators. But you could see some of the players were crying, tears going down some of their faces. Uh, As this was going on, they gave him CPR and defibrillation for about nine minutes. And then they did get his heart started. They got him in the ambulance. They drove the ambulance off the field. He's still in critical condition. 
He's not breathing on his own. He's had to be intubated, but his heart is at least beating. What's left to be seen is, number one, will he survive? And then number two, if he does survive, will there, you know, God forbid, be brain damage? Or These are just questions we don't know yet. So this is a horrific thing that happened. But I'll tell you what, it it produced something on television that was remarkable to see. The the players from both teams just all gathered together in in a huge circle and they all took to their knees and they just prayed. They just prayed. And I thought it was interesting too as they were praying, and this is on television on Monday Night Football, as they all went to their knees to pray, the stands, the people in the stands, you could hear them applauding. They, they cheered and applauded. In other words, they were saying, good, we're glad you guys are doing this. Good for you players for taking a knee. Uh, but it was an incredible moment. There, were, there, there was no competition between the two teams. And this was a very significant game if you follow sports. But it wasn't like it doesn't matter if you're a Bengal or a Bill. It doesn't matter, can I be blunt, if you're Republican or Democrat, conservative or liberal, white or black, none of that mattered. What mattered was... Uh, this man is fighting for his life. And uh, it was an incredible moment. People, we would still encourage people to be praying for Damar Hamlin, that God would touch his body and bring him back to fullness of health. So that's kind of where we stand at this at this point. And so what I'd like to do, and Neil, maybe if I could start with you, uh, Neil Boron, of course, Neil Boron Live, Buffalo, New York. Uh, this, I mean, it's Buffalo Bills. This is your backyard, Neil. And so I'm kind of curious, what is your take on this? And what is the feel in the hometown there for one of your own hometown players that experienced this on Monday night? Well, Bob, you said it really well just a couple of minutes ago. None of us have ever seen anything like this. Myself, I played Little League football starting at the age of eight ended up playing four years of college football. There have been a number of times in my own career when I saw an ambulance on the field because somebody was severely injured in some fashion or another. Um, And I think, you know, I've probably watched a dozen or more professional games or college games where you saw an ambulance on the field. It's not, it's not incredibly common, but it's not all that unusual either. You know, I was uh, at a Bills game many years ago when a tight end named Kevin Everett broke his neck on the opening kickoff. Mm. Um, You know, we watched that live. But something very different happened in this scenario, and I don't know how to fully explain it. I mean, obviously the community here is in shock. Um, This past summer we had the mass shooting, 10 people killed in Buffalo. Just a week or so earlier we had a a massive blizzard that has now taken the lives of 42 people confirmed. So um, Buffalo's been through a variety of things, and of course we lost four Super Bowls along the way, but we've got Mm -hmm. diehard Bills fans that absolutely love this team. But, you know, something was even bigger than the team itself. I mean, you saw the Cincinnati Bengals, you mentioned they entered into this whole thing. I think what, what really struck me, Bob, was the idea that the massive machine called the NFL ground to a halt because a single human life was at stake. I don't know how else to say that. I mean, it it just all of a sudden became apparent if God doesn't work a miracle, if something doesn't happen right now, this man is going to die. You mentioned people, you know, applauding the players who were praying. And by the way, the Buffalo Bills coach, Sean McDermott, is a solid believer. Uh, There were many times the camera cut to uh, a scene of um, the Buffalo Bills chaplain and director of player development, Len Vandenboss, with his arm around various players, praying with them, talking with them. Um, But it was bigger than that. I mean, you saw national television 
commentators who have everything to say about the stats and about the draft and about, you know, fantasy football. And they've got comments about everything related to sports, literally saying, I'm speechless. I don't know what to say. I have nothing to say. Um, on ESPN, a man named Dan Orlovsky literally prayed on NFL Live on ESPN. He said, if, right. if you don't mind, I, the only thing I know to do is pray. And they let him. His colleagues said, go for it. And Yeah, and they prayed. bowed their heads too. So, yeah, I know. Yeah. And, and thanked him afterwards. Right. It was unbelievable. I know. I know. So, you know, what's strange is you see things like, you know, Hurricane Ian, or we think back to Katrina, earthquakes, plane crashes, tornadoes, flooding, 9-11 even, and massive loss of life, you know, and somehow it all kind of gets rolled together. But in this one rare instance, everyone pulled together thinking about a single human life, and I'm certainly not discounting the loss of life in any of those other scenarios. But what was really uh, amazing, it was almost a God thing. I mean, by the way, DeMar Hamlin is a, a believer. He's a strong believer. Yeah. Um, he, he, uh, his life became very valuable. And, you know, when you talk, here it is, National Sanctity of Human Life Awareness Month, right? I mean, you just talked about January 22nd, the infamous Roe v. Wade decision back in 73. But human lives are valuable and the whole world stopped and paused and realized that right. we need god in this moment so i literally saw atheists people that i know are atheists commenting on my own thread on facebook commenting on the dcx facebook page begging their own friends and others to pray atheists begging other people to pray along Isn't with that amazing and by the way one other one other comment just in terms of you know uh charity and stuff he had a charity that uh, where he reaches out to kids from his hometown of mckee's rocks pennsylvania he's a guy that really wanted to support the children from his own hometown and so there was a, a charity that a couple years ago tried to raise some funds tried to raise twenty five hundred dollars for toys for kids the, the buffalo bills mafia they're called bills mafia are buffalo bills fans who get involved in stuff like this found this page put it out there on social media and as of today it's over six million dollars has been raised since mm, since incredible so something really big is happening That's and right. I, last thing bob i just honestly believe that god is trying to say something that there's a moment in time there's a window of opportunity here for us to talk about the value of human life and maybe refer back to this in the future when we talk about the sanctity of all human life absolutely and well and roger let me go over to you here because you know i also think about all of these people praying on national television, the, the players taking a knee praying, uh, this ESPN even praying, and it really does seem to show that this is what's woven into the history and the fabric of this country, a reliance upon Almighty God. And this is one of the reasons, I know we talk about, for example, groups like Alliance Defending Freedom. This is consistent with the kind of work that ADF does and the kind of thing that we've talked about many times, that this is truly Americana. Uh, we're not supposed to have some so-called separation of church and state. Christians are supposed to have the freedom to openly express their faith in this way. And I, I think we saw that on display. Big time. And, you know, it's amazing how, to Neil's point, how God will allow something like this to happen. And then it kind of cuts right to the core of who we are. You don't have a chance to prepare for it. You don't have a chance to to get your best argument together. It's amazing how in the social media world, people will take to, you know, the the social media pages to say, oh my gosh, Roe versus Wade is overturned. What's happening to our constitutional rights? And that's why I'm so grateful. As you mentioned, Alliance Defending Freedom is on the front lines because they're taking up cases like this that matter. You know, the, the case where uh, the FDA just announcing yesterday with regard to the abortion pill now being made available as a something in pharmacy. You know, you go pick up your prescription for decongestant. You can also get basically a, an abortion 
prescription filled. And the fact that Alliance Defending Freedom is on the front lines and fighting for these values, it's not like they're fighting against people. To Neil's point about atheists, you're saying, hey, if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, you know, pray to your God, you know, do something because we don't want this person to die. DeMar Hamlin cuts to the core. This whole scenario cuts to the core of who we are as people. And you forget about all the ideologies. You kind of get mm -hmm. down to the basics in terms of, you know, that that God-shaped vacuum, if you will, in your heart, the, the natural law that's written on our hearts. And I know we've been encouraging our uh, National Coffee Roundtable podcast listeners to support Alliance Defending Freedom. This is just one of those cases, the sanctity of human life that's so important. Uh, we have a, a banner up at CrawfordMediaGroup.net where you can make a donation and uh, a $100 gift, a $250 gift. I mean, to, to fight the cases that they're fighting, they're going to be battling for the sanctity of human life. The same people who are saying, please pray for DeMar Hamlin, but they're out there saying, I want to make sure abortion is a constitutional right. They're just confused. Huh. I mean, they really don't, right. they don't see the parallel, but groups like Alliance Defending Freedom are fighting for fighting for their rights too. CrawfordMediaGroup.net, we've got the banner up there, and I'm so grateful that Alliance Defending Freedom is a part of our team because th these are the points that we make here on NCR every week. You know, the, 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 right. the, the inconsistencies of the arguments of the left, and I think it's why it's so crucial, you know, that we support a group like Alliance Defending Freedom now more than ever, especially in the in the name of DeMar Hamlet, if you want to make a donation. For sure. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh John, let me get your take on what happened Monday night. I don't know if you're a football fan. I don't know if you were watching the game, but just something about seeing everybody coming together like this, praying. There was nothing controversial about it. You know, Tim Tebow takes a knee after scoring a touchdown. Oh, you know, everything is all controversial. But they weren't taking a knee because they were protesting the national anthem or anything like that. It was like, hey, uh, we recognize God is real. We need God. We're at the end of our rope. We're getting, potentially going to lose our friend, our colleague, our, our fellow player. And it's a cry out to God moment. And you hate to see anybody go through this kind of tragedy. But at the same time, this is positive fruit that gets produced when people realize, you know, maybe there really is a God and maybe we really do need him. Yeah, and you know, possibly just going through the holiday season, the Christmas season, like we did, has something to do with that. You know, who knows? Um, yeah, it's funny. Bottom line is, uh, you know, what's that old statement? There's no atheist in the foxhole. I mean, it's right. it's, it's it's a very true statement. And yeah, you know, and I'm kind of laughing just because I'm laughing at those folks that throughout the rest of the year wouldn't think you know anything about it, but when something like this happens, of course, that's the first place they turn. Which, by the way, is a good thing. Not complaining, and and, and definitely, it's something that we should be celebrating. The fact of everything you guys have just said and what happened that night, which. I didn't see it live, but I did tune in shortly thereafter once I, you know, kind of got notice of what was going on and, and then watched a lot of the feeds and things afterwards and everything you guys said is is spot on. And, and it was a real coming together, if you would, uh, even I think as as a country, if you would, on that end of things, especially the sports community, which which is really cool to see. Typically, it's not that way. Will this tarry on? Uh, who knows? Yeah. Well, I, I I hope, it's my hope and prayer, and, and Roger, maybe I could come back to you. You know, you're a pastor as well. Uh, after 9-11, we remember, Roger, everybody flooded into the churches, but that only lasted a couple of months, and before you know it, people were back to their lives. And I, it's, it's my hope and prayer that after an event like this happened where suddenly everybody was on their knees, suddenly nobody was offended by watching people praying on TV, that maybe something like this will stick so that when we get back to our normal lives and DeMar Hamlin isn't front and center anymore, that maybe not just the NFL players, but all of the fans watching TV 
will recognize, oh, wait a minute here. I don't want to just have God in my life for those moments when, oh no, I'm in a panic. I just fell out of a, para, a plane without a parachute. Now suddenly God matters to me. Uh, it would be nice if if God was on the radar screen of our society, culture, the sports world, and everything else every day. But I, I hate to say it, but I, just, I don't know that this is necessarily going to stick once the crisis mode wears off. Yeah, you know, people will rub two pennies together or keep a rabbit's foot, you know, whatever they think is going to make their situation better. And God, you know, the, the concept of God to a lot of people is, you know, he's that uh, fire extinguisher behind the glass. And when it gets too bad, you just break the glass and, you know, you can put out the problem. Uh, I think of Ephesians 5 and 1 Peter 3, you know, quite frankly, are, are two verses that come to mind, two passages with regard to how we in the body of Christ can handle this. Uh, the first one, you know, is... Uh, Make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. I mean, you know, with, we have an opportunity right now to have conversations with people who are asking questions like, oh, my gosh, I thought this guy played in the NFL. And he was invisible. And, and if even, if, well, guess what? You know, this is a golden opportunity to remind everyone we all have an expiration date. You know, no one knows when that moment is going to happen or where right. it's going to happen. Number one. Number two, I love and Neil brought up the, the, the faith component of the bills, which I think is just awesome. I, I sensed that interviewing Jim Kelly many years ago. I've never been more excited about a team that lost four straight Super Bowls. I mean, seriously, because to hear Jim <laughs> Kelly tell it, they're the greatest football team in the history of the world. I would still go to war with those guys. You know, I'm thinking, man, you know, to get to four, let alone win or lose, it doesn't matter. And he was wearing one of the ranks, you know, one of the runner up ranks. It was, it was it was a proud moment for him. But the second part, though, is, and this is where I think the me, the social media world has kind of poisoned the witness of a lot of Christians, and that is to do so with gentleness and respect. First Peter three yeah. fifteen. This is the this is not the moment now to say, "See, I told you," you know. Oh yeah, yeah sure. Now you're a Christian. I mean, and every part of our flesh wants to say that. You know, I mean, the, mm. the hypocrisy. This is a time to be gracious. Uh, to be kind, to be understanding. Hey, if someone's hurting, what do you do? Do you come up and point your finger in their chest or do you put right. your arm around their shoulder and cry with them? I mean, this is a chance for us. We don't blow our witness at all, but to your point, Bob, this is a fantastic opportunity. Will it take root? Will some people get the gift of faith that gives them the right. gift of salvation? I, we don't know. Our job is to just go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's true. That is so true. And and to a point that Neil was making earlier, and this is such a good point too, everything came to a stop because we realized a life was on the line. At that point, suddenly, the football, the, the, the weight of the game and everything else, it didn't matter because a life is on the line. And we are coming up on the anniversary of Roe v. Wade. We, we thank God that Roe v. Wade has been overturned. But we also want to remind everybody listening to us that abortion is still happening. I mean, we just saw in the news that the FDA has approved uh, the abortion drugs, mifepristone and misoprostol to, to, it, for uh, pharmacies to pass out, okay? So the abortion industry is just really moving forward with breakneck speed. And that's why we as believers and those of us that are pro-life, we also need to move forward and move forward strong. And that's why I'm asking everybody right now listening to us, would you give to preborn? Give to preborn right now to save some babies' lives, to stop abortions. Remember, preborn has been doing this a long time. They partner with pro-life pregnancy centers all across the country to show ultrasound images of unborn babies to those moms. Do you know that when a woman sees an ultrasound image of her baby, that's the first picture she's ever seen of her baby. And statistically, she chooses life 83% of the time. You hear all about 
women seeing ultrasound images of their babies across this country. Who do you think is providing these ultrasound images? It's preborn, but it takes money to do this, everybody. $28 is the average cost to stop one abortion. So I'm asking everybody listening to us right now, would you kick off 2023 by giving right now $280 to stop 10 abortions? That's right. 280 bucks, you save 10 babies' lives. Would you prayerfully consider doing that right now? Now, look, if you can give more than that, maybe God has blessed you financially, do $2,800 and save 100 babies' lives. But for everybody, your average person, we're asking for 280 for 10 babies' lives. And if you can do more, great. Here's how simple this process is, folks. You can go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net right now, CrawfordMediaGroup.net, and click on the preborn tab. And you'll see right there, you can go ahead and give whatever amount you can. All right, CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on preborn. You can also give over the phone. They answer the phones 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So you can call right now, 833-850-BABY, 833-850-BABY. And remember, every dime of what you give goes to fund ultrasounds. Nothing for overhead. This is preborn. So do it now. CrawfordMediaGroup.net. Click on the preborn tab. We appreciate you folks doing that. Every life really does matter. Uh, Damar Hamlin's life matters. These unborn babies' lives matter. Uh, and the, we're coming up pretty soon in the second half of the pro- podcast. But a couple final things on Damar Hamlin as we kind of go around the table. And you're a pastor as well. And your thoughts on on not just the effect that this has had on the sports world, but how this might serve as a reminder to people that, number one, God is real. We do need him in our lives all the time, not just during crisis. And look, I'm I'm very thankful that Damar Hamlin is a believer. It's my hope and prayer that he doesn't go home yet to be with the Lord. He's still got a lot of work to do here. But when things like this happen, doesn't it become a real reminder to all of us that uh, we need to let people know the truth of Jesus Christ and who he is. And every single one of us needs to be prepared. You never know when something like this is going to hit out of the blue. And that's why it's so important, like those five wise virgins that have their oil, we need to always be ready for when that day may come. And Roger, maybe I could toss it over to you because just as Neil is a pastor, you are a pastor also. And we've only got about maybe 90 seconds to the break, but maybe in in those in 60 seconds or so, if you could address that, how important it is that moments like this, that really does serve as a reminder to us. You know what? Every single one of them, we need to be ready. We have no idea when that day could come, but we also need to think about unsaved loved ones and recognize the importance of them knowing the truth of who Jesus Christ is. You know, we spend a lot of time in our churches. I know our church does congregational prayer. Most of all of our churches, the people listening do that at some point. And we always have a prayer list of people who, you know, so-and-so is in the hospital, so-and-so, you know, got in a car wreck, this, that, and the other thing. And I've always wondered why we didn't have a hit list, if you will, for people who are unsafe, who are people who are part of our family, mm-hmm. our immediate uh, membership circle, and uh, and praying for them. Because we don't know the day and the hour, but we do, like something Neil said last week, um, we do know the Lord is coming back. We do know the Antichrist is coming. We do know the end of the world is going to be here. And why we just kind of sidestep that, you know, as Christians, that's not our calling. The Great Commission is to go into all the world and preach the gospel. The gospel is the good news that you're a sinner, I'm a sinner. There's sin in the world, but Jesus has overcome the sin. And if we trust and place our trust that his death pays for our sin, 
then basically we have eternal life. And that is good news that everyone needs to hear whether they need to know it or not. An opportunity like this only comes once in a lifetime, so it would appear. And so this is a great opportunity for us to make the most of this opportunity to really have that conversation, to get the coffee, pick up the phone, send the text, whatever it is, to that person in your world who does not yet know the Lord. And without Bible thumping, just share to them the importance of, you know, how short life is. And right. may, may this also spark our faith as well to say, hey, look, let's stop living like we've got a five and a 10 year plan all the time when the Lord could come back in five seconds. If you That's should. right. That is so true. That is so true. Uh, and when we talk about every life mattering and how important this is. We just want to remind everybody, for those of you that gave $280 to save 10 babies' lives through preborn, we very much appreciate you doing that. What a, what a blessing this is. If you haven't done this yet, would you join everybody else and donate that $280? Remember, preborn shows ultrasound images of unborn babies to expectant moms, and those moms will choose life statistically 83% of the time when they see an ultrasound image of their baby. So $280 saves 10 babies' lives. That's the average cost. Here's how easy this is, folks. You can go right now to crawfordmediagroup.net. That's crawfordmediagroup.net and click on the preborn tab. You can give right there. 100% of what you give goes to fund ultrasounds, nothing for overhead. You can also give over the phone. Call right now, 833-850-BABY, and they answer the phones 24-7. You can call right now, 833-850-BABY. Baby, remember every year, preborn stops literally tens of thousands of abortions, and along the way, there are thousands and thousands of first-time decisions for Jesus Christ year after year. But it takes money to do this. That's why we're asking you to give now. So, CrawfordMediaGroup.net. Click on the preborn tab. Two hundred eighty dollars will stop ten abortions. Would you do that now? And hey, if you could do twenty eight hundred dollars to stop a hundred abortions, that would be fantastic too. But give what you can, please. The second half of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast is coming up. We're going to dive into some heavy politics in the second half with what's going on in the new one hundred and eighteenth Congress and the battle over who's going to be Speaker of the House. The second half is coming up next. If you want to listen to the second half, you can do that on your regular radio station. But if your regular radio station doesn't play the second half, sometimes they play the second half at a different time than the first half, here's what you do. Go to the website of your local radio station and look at the program guide, and you can see where the second half plays. You can listen to it then. Or just listen to the second half online at crawfordmediagroup.net or Apple Podcast, Stitcher, TuneIn, wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also watch video of our podcast at myhopenow.com. And the second half, coming up next. This has been a Crawford Media Group production. Continuing the second half of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast with Neil Boron, Neil Boron Live out of Buffalo, New York. John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Colorado. We have Roger Marsh of The Bottom Line for the People's Republic of California. Myself, Bob Duco, The Bob Duco Show out of Detroit. Okay, so for the second half of the podcast, we're going to talk about everything going on in Congress right now. As you know, it was this week that the 118th Congress is in session, but they're not sworn in yet. Now, we're recording this as of Wednesday morning. And as of Wednesday morning, uh, we still don't have a Speaker of the House. And it's the Speaker of the House who swears in the new Congress. So the new Congress is not even sworn in. Uh, they're not officially Congress people. They're in session, but they're not sworn in yet. So this is a unique situation for us to be in. Typically, 
when the new Congress uh, is in session, then the first thing they do is they have a vote for Speaker of the, of the House. And it's usually just a procedural vote. It's done. All of the Democrats vote for their Democrat nominee, who is Hakeem Jeffries, an ultra-liberal left-wing guy. Uh, but since the Republicans control the House, theoretically, all the Republicans vote for the Republican selection, the Republican leader. In this case, it's Kevin McCarthy. But uh, what happened is you've got 19, now 20 defectors. They're basically kind of anti-Kevin McCarthy conservatives. They're Freedom Caucus conservatives who, by the way, I agree with what they stand up for. I mean, they're good, strong, solid conservatives. They're saying to Kevin McCarthy, you're, you're, too, connect, you're too close to the establishment and you're not enough of a fighter for our conservative principles. And so therefore, we want some major concessions from you or we're not going to vote for you. We're going to vote for other people, Jim Jordan and such. Well, uh, bottom line, you've had uh, 20 of these defectors now in the third vote on Tuesday yesterday who refused to vote for Kevin McCarthy. We have 435 members in the House. Uh, well, really, there's 434 because a uh, Democrat uh, unfortunately died right after the election. So you have 434. But what you need is a simple majority of that 434 to get the speakership. Well, all 212 Democrats, of course, voted for Hakeem Jeffries. If all 222 Republicans voted for Kevin McCarthy, he wins. He's got to get past 218. Problem is you got 20 defectors, so you got 202 votes for him. Nobody hit the 218, and so they keep voting over and over and over again. What happens if they don't come to a vote? Well, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But the bottom line is that Kevin McCarthy is not able to close the deal so far with these 20 defectors. And so I want to go around the table and talk a little bit about this and get everybody's take on uh, on what's going on here, what needs to happen. So, John, let me start with you, first of all. I I look at these 20 defectors, you know, Lauren Boebert and uh, mm-hmm. Matt Gates and He's such. A Colorado okay. Right. Colorado and, you know, if you look at what their demands are, I agree with their demands, actually. I, I mean, really, if you if you think about this, they want to restore the five members can call for a no-confidence vote on the Speaker. Well, that's always been the rule since 1801, and Nancy Pelosi ended that in 2018. So all they want to do is go back to that. They also want to uh, have it you know, written into the rules that all bills require 72 hours advance notice so people have time to read them before they vote on them. Uh, They want to require that bills be allowed to be debated in Congress. They want to return to single-subject bills so you don't have a whole bunch of other side stuff thrown into bills deceptively. They want the Republicans to stop interfering in local Republican primary elections. And they also want proportionate conservative representation on committees. They don't want the debt ceiling raised without a spending cut plan to balance the budget. Uh, And they want a commitment to investigating the weaponizing of the government using the CIA, FBI, IRS to go against conservative pro-lifers, conservative parents interfering in elections, colluding with social media and big tech. So their agenda, John, is something I completely agree with. However, the method of this doesn't seem to be right because Kevin McCarthy, no, he's... 
he's closer. He's got more of his toes in the establishment pool than I would prefer, but he's not. He's not as rhino as Mitch McConnell no, he's not is. Mitch McConnell, that's right. That's he's not. Point. And so, isn't there a point where we say, yes, Kevin McCarthy needs to be forced away from the Mitch McConnell camp and more toward the MAGA camp, if you will? Mm-hmm. I don't mind trying to force him to that. But to me, this is this is a nuclear approach to this that's just causing a lot of damage and weakening the credibility of the Republican Party with a slim margin that has a lot of agenda they have to try to push forward. And every day that we delay this, the less of that agenda we get to accomplish. I mean, Jim right. Jordan is ready to go on the investigations and the committees that he's ready right. to lead, which, by the way, they want him to be speaker. And he's already said, no, I don't want to be speaker, which, by the way, I agree with him. He's got other things on his plate that yeah. he wants to accomplish. He's the guy, by the way, that should be accomplishing those things. The committees are pretty much set. And by the way, the committees are great. And McCarthy agrees with those committees. So, you know, again, is he the number one pick, Bob, that you and I have? No, but will he work moving forward right now for this time? Yes, let's get it done and move on. He's at least on, right, he's at least on, he's conservative, more conservative than Mitch McConnell, okay? That's right. He's not a rhino, he's not an establishment guy, but is he perfect? No, but nobody no, is, but, Bob. Right. I, look, I'm I'm with you. I'm with you. Even though I do have to say, let's get him in speaker, and then once he's in the speaker position, the Freedom Caucus they can they can do battle internally and not in front of the cameras with Kevin McCarthy to make sure that the the, the conservative agenda really does go forward. But do that behind closed doors, mm-hmm. even if you have to do that with uh, with certain demands and like, hey, you, you want my vote for this particular bill? Then here's some concessions we need going forward and have those battles internally, but don't have them out here on display like this. That's it right. Seems to be my, my thought. No, on I that. agree with you 100. percent. Roger, wait, let me wait. But really quick, we had a long yeah. conversation on air about this show. You know, you know, you had folks calling in and debating, and of course, you know, you 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 guys on your show hear the same things, and some folks are you know dead set on on what these twenty are doing, and I'm not one of those. In fact, I mentioned yesterday that I think some of these twenty, Lauren included, Lauren barely won her race here in Colorado, and I think at times forgets who her market now that it's been redistricted really is and she needs to be paying attention to that because what she's doing right now in my opinion is not going to help her next re-election campaign right well although an argument could be made she's got two years to clean up any perception mess that that's created from yeah, this but you, but, know, but you know how the other side is they use all this against us now I know. I look. I, I I get that. I get that. And right now the Republicans are looking silly in a circular we don't firing need squad. Any more black eyes? I know. And this is giving us one. And that's why, even though I I totally agree with the agenda of these twenty people, I really do. I'd like Kevin McCarthy to agree to these concessions, but if he's not going to, and we got to remember, Kevin McCarthy also still has to try to work with the establishment rhinos in the house because there's a fair amount of them too. And if he completely alienates them, we don't want some of them going Joe Manchin on us uh, as he does with the Democrats sometimes. So really, and really quick, Bob, just throw one more thing. in. I think a lot of folks forget is to your point just now, you also have to have somebody that's got the connections to be able to get everybody to rally around something as needed and also raise money as needed. And then to your point, if you want to work on some of these other things on the back end, which by the way, I'm in favor of doing, Go for it. That's right. Roger Marsh, I want to get your uh, take on this. I know you've been paying close attention to this as well. And and certainly, as as I said with John, the 20, we agree 
with with the agenda that they want to push for. And by the way, they're pushing for a strong America first. They're pushing for a lot of uh, Christian and conservative uh, religious freedoms and things like that, the kind of stuff that Alliance Defending. I know you talk about ADF all the time, the great work that they do. So they're pushing for the things that we agree with, but there's got to be some measure of compromise or else we're just looking silly. You know, I hate to say this, but this is a classic example of why the GOP didn't have a red wave in the 2022 midterms right now. Yeah. These, these 20 as altruistic as they're coming across, look so ridiculous and so completely out of touch right now with where the American people are. Democrats don't have this problem in public. They don't argue in front of the children. The Democrats take care of this behind the scenes. AOC and Bernie Sanders and all that, they do all their stuff behind them. And then they come up with a unified front. I mean, in all due respect to these people, I mean, take a look at what Alliance Defending Freedom is doing. They're fighting for parents, for example, in, with school districts. We've seen all these different uh, cases that have come forward with regard to the left trying to indoctrinate kids to, you know, uh, sexual misconduct and things like that in the name of art and literature. And Alliance Defending Freedom is standing with the parents to say, look, the parents need to make that decision. This is not something that should be decided by the school district. Uh, the reason we love Alliance Defending Freedom is because they will take those stands and they will fight those cases in court. And there, but for the grace of God, are we as parents and grandparents, you know, ultimately winding up potentially facing those cases. I heartily recommend and, uh, and endorse Alliance Defending Freedom. We have a banner up at CrawfordMediaGroup.net. Go ahead and click there and make a donation and support Alliance Defending Freedom because it's important that we have, an, this is the largest organization, the most established organization for fighting for our religious liberty. And when you go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net, your tax deductible donation helps them to defend these cases pro bono for their clients. Now, the, quite frankly, I would love to see this, this caucus, these 20 uh, Congress people, uh, just basically get over themselves for five minutes and say, look, here's what's going to last. What's going to last is in the 2024 reelection bid, you guys are going to be, you know, paraded front and center by Democrats everywhere saying, are you sure you want these people in here? You didn't clearly articulate a message to your constituents in 2022. Lowen Borbert just barely getting by. Kevin McCarthy has been a stalwart Republican in the Central Valley of California. I mean, a guy coming out of the People's Republic and knowing how to speak that language. Is he more of a establishment guy than we want? Yeah. I mean, th there's no question about it. Now is not the time to be altruistic. Now is not the... I mean, when I hear Gates and, and Boebert and these people saying, you know, we'll, we'll just let Hakeem Jeffries take over. I mean, do they yeah. really honestly understand well, they, what they're saying? They do I mean, deny that they said that, though. They, well, they say McCarthy's lying about that. So well, I don't know. But, but, but here's what's going to happen. I mean, quite frankly, there are already 212 votes for Hakeem Jeffries in there from all the Democrats because right. they're all on the same page. Hold their nose, whatever they're going to do. If for some reason they can wear down some of these Republicans, guess who is now the third most important person in the United States government? That's right. With Joe Biden hanging in the balance, with Kamala Harris rumored to be on her way out, they may be electing the next president of the United States if they're not careful. And I don't want to sound hysterical, but I, I wonder if for some reason if for some reason they've lost sight of the fact, look, you've got to get your GOP guy in here. He may not be perfect, but he's your guy. Get mm -hmm. this going and then figure this stuff out. Right. I, I mean, you're so right because the Hakeem Jeffries factor, here's what we, we got to remember about procedurally how this works in Congress. You need 218 votes. Okay. However, you need 218 if everybody votes for somebody. However, if anybody just votes present, then that reduces the threshold necessary. So let's pretend five of those 20 decided, all right, I'm not going to vote for Jim Jordan. I'm just going to vote present or I'm not going to vote at all. I'll just be here. Now suddenly the 434 goes down to 429. 
And if it becomes 429, guess what happens? Suddenly, Hakeem Jeffries at 212 votes, it gets that much closer, that much easier for him to go ahead. And he could theoretically, and I'll tell you what else could happen, Roger. it could be a case where the House decides, let's just go ahead and vote on a plurality instead of a majority, in which case whoever gets the most votes, you don't need to get 50% plus one, just whoever gets the most ends up winning. And if they end up going for a plurality vote, which has happened a couple of times back in the 1800s, but it could happen. You're right. Hakeem Jeffries could end up actually being the Speaker of the House, and he's the one who now gets to uh, set and control the committees and, and the rules and everything else in the house and third in line to the presidency why because you got 20 conservatives that we all like and support and agree with what they stand for that are that are folding their arms going no we want it all we want it now or we're gonna we're gonna blow the place up and you can't do that even though i ideologically agree with them more than i do Kevin McCarthy. Fight the battle internally behind closed doors. You don't air your dirty laundry like this and throw a monkey wrench into the gears of the whole operation. Uh, because that's not the way to handle it. That's just uh, that's how I look at it. So uh, I want to get Neil in on this. Neil Boron, of course. Neil Boron live out of Buffalo, New York. Your thoughts about what's happening here in Washington. And the, the, the principles of these 20 people, I think, are right. But the methods we're having a problem with at least uh myself and john and roger yeah it and the gop far too often makes this kind of mistake i mean the bottom line is they're giving over an advantage that they just had by squeaking through with a majority in this last election now handing them the advantage at least the metaphoric advantage back to the democrats by choosing to air their dirty laundry in public and squabble in front of you know the american people like this it's not going to help in the long run they're not going to accomplish anything in the long run uh, but you know this raises an interesting question because you've got donald trump supporting kevin mccarthy and these trump supporters most of them anyway uh define the idea of kevin mccarthy being speaker of the house can somebody explain that because that one's lost on me it's almost like when uh donald trump rushed through and you know he, he was pretty proud of the fact that we got a vaccine done by the end of the year in 2020 hey we need a vaccine for COVID, and then the people who most often didn't want to take the vaccine were his own supporters which caused me to scratch my head but this is another one like how in the world is donald trump supporting kevin mccarthy but these 20 aren't yeah well and by the way to to throw a kink into that donald trump has the last couple of days been surprisingly silent on this he's actually mm-hmm. not commenting on kevin mccarthy so he's saying well <laughs> actually what he said was well let's see what happens so so kevin mccarthy is now kind of feeling like Trump is pretty much saying, I'm not going to throw those 20 under the bus. I'm not going to stick my neck out too far for Kevin McCarthy here. Uh, you know, since when does Trump take a hands off and say, let me see how the dust settles? But it seems like that's what he's doing right now. Yeah. Well, since when is Trump quiet? That's a miracle in and of itself. That's unbelievable. <laughs> well, that is true. That is true. Uh, we got a lot more to talk about this. Before we do, though, I want to remind everybody that when you listen to this podcast, you know how passionate we all are about protecting the unborn. And we're coming up on the anniversary of Roe v. Wade, which thankfully has been overturned. But you know what hasn't been stopped? Abortion. Abortion is still happening in this country, folks. And the Democratic Party and the abortion industry, they are pushing abortion as much as they can. This is why we as believers in Christ and we as pro-lifers, we need to push as hard as we can 
to save these babies' lives and stop abortion. And you know the best way to do it, really? You're like, oh, what can I do? I'm just one person. You can partner with Preborn. Preborn is the main pro-life organization in America that shows ultrasound images of unborn babies to expectant moms with in pro-life centers all across the country. This is Preborn who does this. And when moms see an ultrasound image of their baby, they choose life 83% of the time statistically. So we got to get ultrasound images paid for everybody, but it takes money to do this. Here's the dollars. 28 bucks stops one abortion on average. That's the cost on average to save one baby's life, $28. So I'm asking everybody listening right now, will you give $280 and stop 10 abortions? If you can afford it, do $2,800 and save 100 babies' lives. And by the way, for those of you that have been really blessed by God, maybe financially you're well off or maybe you own a business, would you consider a $15,000 tax write-off and buy an ultrasound machine? for preborn. Your legacy will be thousands of babies' lives saved if you'll buy an ultrasound machine. So those are basically the three tiers we're asking for. If you could do the 15,000, buy an ultrasound machine, we need you to do that now. If you could do 2,800, save 100 babies' lives, we need you to do that now. For everybody else, we need you to do $280 one time and let's stop 10 abortions. Here's how you give. Go to crawfordmediagroup.net that's crawfordmediagroup.net. Click on the preborn tab and you can give right there. 100% of everything you give goes to fund ultrasounds, nothing for overhead. And if you want to give over the phone, they're ready to take your call right now, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's 833-850-BABY. You can call right now, 833-850-BABY. Online, crawfordmediagroup.net. Click on preborn. And give now. We appreciate you folks uh, doing this. We need to we need to care about saving lives. As we continue this National Crawford Roundtable podcast, we're talking about what's happening in in Congress right now. And so, John, what is what is the answer then going forward? Because it doesn't seem like these these twenty are going to cave in. Is this a case where Kevin McCarthy? ends up going ahead, caving in with them, says, I'll go ahead and meet all of your demands. We'll go ahead and do this. And then I'll try to clean everything up with the establishment in the House. Because if he does that, it does kind of reward these 20. And then these 20 can end up looking like heroes. And then who knows, maybe even on this podcast, we end up going, you know what? Is it possible they were right? So I don't know. What should happen? What should McCarthy do? Oh, that's a great question. Um, and I'm I'm not in that position, and I'm glad I'm not because that's a tough decision to make, and I don't uh, I don't envy him in that in that way at all, having to be able to make those decisions. And everything you guys have said, Roger, you especially, you know, knowing knowing even him and where he's come from, you know, better than than I. Um, and, and Bob, I like you. I, he's not Mitch McConnell. I think we all need to remember that. What's right. his next move, man, Bob? If I had a crystal ball, um, <laughs> you know what? I'd love to know what his next move is. I hope. Somehow, some way today, this gets resolved so that he is actually, and I know people are going to be upset that I say this, but so he's Speaker of the House and we can move on with committees and get some things going in the right direction and get this egg off of our face right now. What does he do next? Bob, I wish I could tell you. Yeah. Uh, Neil, what's your, uh, I know you don't have a crystal ball either one as believers in Christ. We don't believe in crystal balls, but uh, uh, if you were advising Kevin McCarthy, what would, what would you say, Neil? What, what, what's the right thing for him to do? I'd say stay strong and wait it out because I think eventually these folks will come to their senses, whether they're pressured behind the scenes somehow or decide that 
you know, this is really just a clown show. It's not going to amount to anything long-term. Any work that they're really going to be able to do over the long-term really does need to be done behind closed doors. I totally agree with you guys. But I think in the end, he's going to be elected. Yeah, you think he is? All right. What about, uh, Roger, what about somebody else besides him? Jim Jordan, as we talked about before, Jim Jordan's got 20 votes right now. And Jim Jordan is saying, I don't want him. As a matter of fact, for the third vote, Jim Jordan is the one who nominated Kevin McCarthy. So he's basically telling the 20, I'm voting for Kevin McCarthy. I'm asking you guys to also. Uh, But there is some speculation that maybe Kevin McCarthy realizes it's not going to happen and somebody like Steve Scalise, the House whip, uh, steps forward. Steve Scalise is a guy that would appease most of those 20. He wouldn't appease the establishment rhinos in there. So I don't know. Is that a possibility to consider? I think everybody has to find a way to make this work for them right now. I mean, this is where the negotiations should have been taking place all throughout the month of December, and they didn't, and they showed up and decided to make a stink for whatever reason. Someone's going to have to give a little bit on both sides to make this thing work, and then they can get down to the real brass tacks. I, for one, would love Steve Scalise, but if you look at, I mean, give I'm trying to give Kevin McCarthy a bit of a break here. When you look at where he represents, I mean, he does represent Kern right. County, Tulare County, Agricultural Center, they do more uh, ag work and more oil production than the state of Oklahoma and <laughs> these counties. I mean, mm-hmm. this guy, and, and even the fact that he represents part of Northeast L.A. County, which is one of the large, I mean, L.A. County is one of the largest hotbeds for uh, progressive activism. The fact that he's been able to walk that line very successfully, I don't think that makes him establishment rhino so much as Newt Gingrich, pragmatic dealmaker. And quite frankly, uh, the GOP is, continues to keep, we're not going to have any feet left in the Republican Party if these guys can right. shoot well, and I'll tell you what, if the, and John, I want to throw another possibility over to you. And this is a really scary possibility, but I think it's, it's possible. Uh, I could see some establishment rhino Republicans, some of the, the really, really centrist, borderline liberal Republicans mm-hmm. coming together and saying, why don't we pick one, forming their own little coalition and saying, why don't we pick one of us to be speaker who's way more liberal than Kevin McCarthy is? And we'll go to AOC and the Democrats will pitch it to them and say, what do you guys say? You know, Hakeem Jeffries cannot get in. Uh, We will go ahead. You join us and we'll put this person in. No, and I think that's the risk that these 20 are thinking through. And unfortunately, I hate to say this, but knowing some of them like we do and what we've seen and their past behavior, I'm not sure they have the best advisors around them letting them know what you just said, Bob. Yeah, because I, I I think that is a very real possibility, I think it is too. and we could end up with some kind of a a. a, a Be careful what you wish for. I know, I know. Do we really want some kind of Mitt Romney esque nope Speaker of the House? Because then we're going to look at Kevin McCarthy and go, oh, Kevin McCarthy is Rush Limbaugh compared That's to right. to That's compared right. to what we ended up with now, and to some so, of the other ones he is. Yeah, you know what? You're absolutely right. So this is what we got to remember. And it's to Roger's point also, okay? And I'm sticking up a little bit for... I did this on my show yesterday regarding Kevin McCarthy, all right? Yes, there are people more conservative than him. I get that, all right? But Kevin McCarthy, he doesn't just have to bring the MAGA Republicans to the table and get them to be consistent votes on everything. He also has to get those 
pro-choice rhino Republicans. He has to get their yes vote on bills because this is a razor-thin margin. So he has to get both sides. So I'd rather have a guy that is closer to the MAGA Republicans than he is the Mitch McConnell Republicans, even if he's not a full-blown MAGA Republican. I'll take that guy all day long when we have a tight margin. Agree. Republicans are not being smart about this. We don't think sometimes, Bob. That's our problem. I know. It's like, duh, stop it. Uh, All right. Well, look, uh, one more time, quick reminder to those of you that gave to Preborn, we thank you for doing that. We do. For the rest of you, uh, we're winding down the podcast here. I want to give you one more opportunity to do this now if you would, okay? Give them a call at 833-850-BABY and go ahead and donate right there over the phone, 833-850-BABY. Or just give online, go to crawfordmediagroup.net and click on the preborn tab. And if you can give $280, you're gonna be responsible for stopping 10 abortions, saving 10 babies' lives through these ultrasound images. Isn't that worth it? Remember, preborn every year saves tens of thousands of babies' lives. And along the way, thousands and thousands of first-time decisions for Jesus Christ among these moms all across the country. But it takes money to do this. Okay, And we're believers in Christ. I mean, come on. We have to step up and show that we care at least as much about saving these babies' lives as the pro-abortion lobby out there cares about taking these babies' lives. So it means skin in the game. It means reaching in our pockets and pulling out that credit card or doing whatever you can. So 280 bucks, you'll stop 10 abortions. What do you say? CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on the preborn tab. You can give right now. And we appreciate you folks doing that. We do. And we always appreciate you listening to the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. Don't forget... You can you can uh, watch this uh, you can watch this podcast at myhopenow.com. You can also listen at crawfordmediagroup.net or Apple Podcast Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you listen to your podcast. We always appreciate you folks listening. And as we close out this podcast, we started the podcast talking about Damar Hamlin. We'd like to close out the podcast if we could in prayer for. Damar Hamlin of the Buffalo Bills. And of course, from Buffalo, New York, is our own Neil Boron Pastor. Neil, if you could pray for Damar, that would be great. Yeah, Lord, as much as the world right now is talking about what happened with Damar Hamlin and saying we need to pray, we just actually want to pray. We just want to come before you, Almighty God, who created everything and who created this young man, uh, who you are his father. Lord, he loves you. He knows you. And we just pray that you would restore his life. I thank you, God, that for a moment in time, even something as big as the NFL was paused to focus on the value of human life. Uh, Lord, we talk about the value of human life all the time. You created it. It was created in your image. And God, I just pray for total restoration, total healing for Damar Hamlin. And however you use this situation, I pray that you would continue to remind those who observe, even from a distance, um, that, God, what we really need is a relationship with you, that our hope, our future is secure in you. God, do this for your glory. May the kingdom of God grow as a result of what transpires in this, and may we as believers be faithful and consistent to continue to point people to you through this process. So, God, do this for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Neil. Neil Boron live, everybody. Uh, Buffalo, New York. Of course, Roger Marsh, the bottom line from California. John Rush, Rush Reason, Denver, Colorado. Myself, Bob Duco, the Bob Duco Show out of Detroit. Gentlemen, always great catching up with you. Thanks so much. Looking forward to next week. Likewise. Thank you, Bob. You bet. Take care. Thanks for listening, everybody. God bless. You've been listening to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast.
A view of today's culture through a biblical lens brought to you by Preborn, saving babies and souls. Join us in the fight to save babies from abortion. Your gift provides a free ultrasound for a mother in need. 80% of the time, she will choose life. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the Preborn logo to donate to save babies now. And by Alliance Defending Freedom, defending the First Amendment rights of free speech and religious liberty. Your generous financial support makes it possible for Alliance Defending Freedom to defend religious liberty, the sanctity of human life, freedom of speech, and marriage and family in America and around the world. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the ADF logo to give your financial support. You can download this podcast from Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more from your local Crawford Media Group station or at CrawfordMediaGroup.net. And you can watch video of the podcast at MyHopeNow.com. Please give this podcast a five-star rating on your Apple app and look for the notification on your app for when the next weekly edition of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast is ready for you to download. This has been a Crawford Media Group production.